amen to those songs. I'm kind of like, ah, I can just stay sitting because those, those songs were preaching good enough. Um, thankful for that. If you would go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We are back in verse 12 this week. Back in verse 12. And we will see again the prayer, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. If our unwillingness to confess our sins to God and ask for His forgiveness, if that's what makes us most miserable in our relationship with God, then unwillingness to confess our sins to one another and to forgive one another is what ruins our relationships with one another. There are very few things that will tear apart families, friendships, and churches like unforgiveness. My guess is that most of you know the pain of what unforgiveness can do. The bitterness, the hatred, the animosity, the actual pursuing, you know, uh, revenge and things like that. It can just go so far, so fast and make the gap between people so wide and the destruction so severe. In addition, I would say that few things make a mockery of God and Christianity than those who call themselves Christians yet are unforgiving. Few things make God and his claims about himself, his claims about salvation look so silly like that of someone who calls himself a Christian saying, I will not forgive. Or saying, I forgive you, but then still holding that bitterness, still you know, making them pay in those ways. And so knowing this, knowing the seriousness of forgiving one another, Jesus includes this in the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer, again, is meant to be a model prayer, a pattern of prayer that we, we recite the portions, we meditate on the truths contained within them, the glory there, and then we pray them back to God even as we see our need for these prayer requests to be answered. And again, last week, we saw, and forgive us our debts. We looked at that, right? We saw that because of our sin against God, and by the way, I would define sin against God as disregarding God or disobeying God. We don't honor Him and we don't obey Him. That is sin. Because of that sin, we have a moral debt. A moral debt that must be paid and that debtor's prison is hell for eternity. And that is just, that is right, that is fitting for our sin against God. And so we saw that our only hope, absolutely only hope, is that God forgive us our debt. And we saw that God purchased that forgiveness in Christ Jesus, that our debt for sin was laid upon Christ. He paid it. He endured it in full on the cross. 
so that our forgiveness was purchased and we receive that forgiveness by faith in Jesus Christ. That was last week. And all, I mean, that's just foundational to Christianity. But I love that Jesus, within this most foundational truth of our forgiveness uh, by God, includes, as we also have forgiven our debtors. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you see the relationship yet, and we'll get there. But these two things... God's forgiveness of us and our forgiveness of others is just so intimately tied together that Jesus can stream it together in this one little prayer and forgive us our debts, our great, unpayable, unbearable debt. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. There's just this intimate tie there together. Now, it is interesting, um, many people do not know what to do with this. Because if you just read that quickly, okay, forgive us our debts, we also forgive people, cool. But if you actually look at the wording that Jesus used, he says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us like we forgive other people. Hmm, what do I do with that? What do I do with that? And what difference does it make for my prayers and for my everyday life? That is what we will study today. Because either Jesus made a mistake in what he said. Maybe Jesus had a little theological blunder. Or Jesus has something profound to teach us that can transform our prayers and our lives. Let's read together uh, the, the, the Lord's Prayer. We try to do this each week because I want it uh, kind of ingrained in our brains so that we can meditate on it. So if you would recite this together with me. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray and ask God to, to help us today. Father God, would you by some miracle... Make us today as zealous to forgive others as we are of being forgiven by you. Would you help us to understand how essential this type of forgiveness is in our lives for the sake of our relationships and most importantly for the sake of your glory, God. And so God, would you Show us how it is that we can truly forgive people from the heart. Even those people who have hurt us so badly. And God, I pray that if there are any in this room who haven't truly received your forgiveness, that you would use these words of Jesus to reveal it to them. 
there may be nothing so dangerous as a false assurance of salvation. So God, I ask that you would use your word to to open, open blind eyes, God, to see their sin, to see their need, and to lead them to the cross to receive true forgiveness. God, we just need you for this. From from the depths of my heart, we all need to become more forgiving people. Do this, God, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. So what does Jesus mean by this part of the prayer? And what can we learn from it? Again, you see the underlined portion there. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You know, it's almost like Jesus is saying we won't be forgiven by God unless we forgive others. But, but that, that brings a, a dilemma, a theological dilemma, doesn't it? I thought that our salvation, I thought that our forgiveness was only by grace through faith. Is Jesus now telling us that we must earn our salvation, that we merit our salvation before God? I mean, Jesus is the one who says that whoever believes in him and in Jesus, God shall have eternal life. Believe. He didn't say anything about works to... How how do we reconcile these things? Well, I want to first give you what Jesus is plainly saying. Okay? Number one, forgiving others is a requirement. We're going to work this out. Don't don't cast me out yet as a a heretic or a, a legalistic pastor. Because this is the plain teaching of Jesus. Forgiving others is a requirement for final forgiveness. That is, before the, the, the throne of judgment, forgiving others will be a requirement that we, we have forgiven our debtors. And I, I want to show you this again from the text. I mean, Jesus said it very clearly. Forgive us our debts as we also, in, in the same way, We have forgiven our debtors. And so again, you might say, well, maybe just he said it in a weird way, that that's what it sounds like. If you you have your Bible open, scroll down two verses to verse 14 and 15. This is the only part of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus gives a commentary on. This is the only part of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus tries to clear up any confusion to make sure that we heard him correctly. Look at what he says there. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I mean, it doesn't get much more clear than that. Jesus gives two scenarios. If you forgive others, God will forgive you. If you do not forgive others, God will not forgive you. So I just want to make that plain. This is a requirement that we be forgiving people. 
that we extend the gift of forgiveness to others. But how can this be reconciled with the fact that we cannot earn or merit our salvation? That it is only by grace through faith that we are saved. This is, this is a, a difficult teaching. I, I, I truly uh, understand that, I know. How can those two truths be reconciled? Salvation by grace through faith alone, but you must forgive others to be finally forgiven. Let me kind of give you the answer in a nutshell, and then we'll look at how Scripture uh, shows us these things. Okay, here's how how I think of it. Receiving God's gift of forgiveness is only by faith in Jesus, but our forgiveness of others proves that we have truly received his forgiveness. Our becoming a Christian is only by grace through faith. Becoming a Christian is only by grace through faith. But our life will prove that we are truly a Christian. And believe it or not, our life, the way that we live in obedience or disobedience, forgiveness or unforgiveness, will be the criteria by which God judges in the end. Matthew 16, 27. Jesus says this. this is the same book that we're, we're studying, you know. Matthew 16, 27. Jesus says, For the Son of Man, that's himself, is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. It's interesting. If you read that in context, it's not just talking about those evil, wicked, faithless people. It's talking about everyone in the context. You could go back and look at that. Matthew 16, 27. He will repay each person according to what he has done. Then at the, the end, like this is the most clear statement of what will happen in the judgment. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 13, John says, Then I saw a great white throne in him who was seated on it, namely Jesus. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and the dead were judged by, by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. You know how it goes. Some are cast into eternal punishment, the lake of fire, the second death. Others go into eternal paradise, new heaven, new earth. That's where it shifts to, chapter 21. And the the New Testament is filled with, with, with similar references that There is a judgment. There will be an ultimate judgment, and it will be based on the life that we live. And so the the question is still, if our final judgment is based on how we live our lives, our obedience, disobedience, forgiveness, or unforgiveness, how can we still say that salvation is a free gift received by faith? The answer is this, okay? Take this to heart. The lifestyle that God requires, God empowers every single time. The, 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 the lifestyle, the obedience that God requires, God empowers. While we won't be able to obey God perfectly in this life, I understand that. 
a truly saved person is also a person who is truly empowered to obey God's commands, including that of forgiving others. And so we, we have these favorite passages that remind us it's by grace through faith that we are saved. But we got to go on one more verse, don't we? Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. Look, look at this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Okay, that's, that's faith. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The idea here is, in this salvation that is received by faith, it's not just a decision we make, it's a transformation that takes place in our heart. There, there is a true, you could say, my mysterious change that takes place, and we'll see, see more on that, but God does this work in us. We trust in Jesus and we become a new creation created for good works. We are empowered to do the work that God requires for that final judgment. And that's why Paul can say uh, in, in Philippians 1.6, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That day of Jesus Christ is that great white throne of judgment. This is, it'll, it'll be complete. You, it'll all be there. All the works necessary for that final judgment will be present in your life because of the good work God started. This is an amazing uh, reality, and it is no less than um, what God promised he would do in the new covenant. I mean, this is, again, this is not a periphery teaching of the Bible. This is thread all throughout the Bible. Ezekiel 36, verses 25 through 27. So this is Old Testament prophet speaking about the new covenant. God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit, the Holy Spirit, within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. I will cause you to walk in my statutes and I will cause you to be careful to obey my rules. How? By threats of hell? No, by a new heart put within us, by a new spirit put within us, and by the Holy Spirit indwelling us, empowering us to do what it is God requires us to do. And that can even be the most difficult times of forgiveness. And so I, I just want to say this clearly. There is no such thing as an unforgiving Christian. It may take us a second. I get it. <laughs> I, I, I've been there many times. That, that I don't want to give that forgiveness. I want them to pay. They, they hurt me. But there is no such thing as an unforgiving Christian because if I am truly a Christian, 
God will empower that forgiveness from me. And therefore, we can say, this is not a scary thing if you're truly a Christian, by the way, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. That's only scary if you're not a forgiving person. That's, that's only scary if you're unwilling to forgive other people. But if you know God has worked this in you, given you a new heart, a new spirit, and the Holy Spirit to help you forgive others, then, then you can pray that prayer with confidence. Yes, God. Maybe not exactly like I forgive because I'm still so imperfect and I still you know, have to fight that bitterness. God does not have to. I'm so thankful. God doesn't have to take this time to say, okay, fine, I'll finally forgive. I, I get that. But I can, we can still pray this with confidence, knowing I will stand before God forgiven because he has made me a forgiving person. And by the way, you know, we, we spoke just now um, about the, the spiritual work that God does, this like kind of behind the scenes uh, abstract, God gives us a new heart. Like, what? Okay, and another thing God has done is he has shown us what forgiveness looks like. And that forgiveness, the, the mere display and reception of that forgiveness makes us forgive other people. I believe it's uh, Matthew 18. Let me look real quick. Matthew 18 is the parable of the, the unforgiving servant. Yeah, Matthew 18, beginning in verse 21 Peter first says, how many times do I have to forgive people? He's struggling with forgiveness. You ever been there? How many times do I have to forgive people? Even seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Or sorry, 70 times seven. And then Jesus goes on to tell this parable to help him understand the nature of forgiveness in a concrete way. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed 10,000 talents. Uh, a talent was a day's wages then. So, I mean, if you want to use kind of a, a modern term, it would be like saying he has um, a, a billion dollar debt. A billion dollar debt, I, I want you to understand, is a thousand million. So if you could pay back $2 million of your debt in a lifetime, which would be pretty good, it would take you 50 lifetimes to pay off that debt. I mean, that, that's, the, that's kind of the scale of this uh, here, this 10,000 talents this man owed. It goes on to say, verse 25, And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. That's debtor's prison. You don't get out of debtor's prison very quick because you can't really work. You can't really do anything. You have to you know, rely on other people to maybe be able to bail you out, but they're in trouble. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, imploring the king, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Eh, maybe. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. 50 lifetimes worth of debt forgiven. But it goes on to say, But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. 
This is not a talent. This is, this is 100 denarii. This is a, a much smaller wage. This would maybe be like three months wages, not 50 lifetimes worth of very high wages. Um, so 100 denarii seizing him. He began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what, he had, t- what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then, the mas- then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had the same mercy, had, had mercy, on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. We, we hear that and say, man, that servant was so wicked. He was forgiven this unbelievable debt a billion dollar debt, forgiven that, just gone, cleared like it never existed. And then on the, his very way home, he, he grabs a guy who owes him this small little ma- amount, starts choking him and literally has him thrown in prison when he can't pay the debt. What a wicked person. What about when we withhold forgiveness from others? When we sin against God, we have this unbelievable, huge debt more than 50 lifetimes of debt, and yet God forgives us by the cost of his son. And then we walk out and say, yeah, but they really, really offended me. I'm not making light of the way people have hurt you. I'm just putting it in comparison to the way you have offended God, the way I have offended God. It is unthinkable to have this this infinite atrocity of our sin against God, our debt to God paid, just forgiven, wiped away, and then to not be able to forgive others their in, in, in perspective, relatively small debts, these small sins. I'm telling you, every single sin a person commits against you is also committed against God. And God is perfectly holy. God is perfectly worthy of honor and, and, and praise and obedience and justice or, uh, <laughs> every sin, even the ones committed against you that hurt so bad, are infinitely more offensive in God's sight. And yet God forgives us that debt, wipes it clean. As far as away as the east is from the west, we cannot truly be forgiven all that debt and not be able to forgive others. There is no such thing as an unforgiving Christian not only by nature, but by nature of this, this great forgiveness that has been given to us. It is impossible. Therefore, Jesus can say it's a requirement. If you forgive others, you'll be forgiven. If you don't forgive others, you won't be forgiven. Why? Because those who have truly trusted in Jesus, received his gift of forgiveness, become forgiving people. And I do, I want to apply this to you now. Um, if you see that you are not a forgiving person, 
Sure, you, 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 you forgive the, the teeny offenses, but you know, when it actually hurts, you, you really forgive them. You don't just say the words. If, if you cannot do that, it means you are not a Christian. I mean, it, this is just what Jesus is telling us. And so what I would tell you is don't try to now become uh, a forgiving person. Don't say, okay, I'm going to work really hard to forgive so that I can, you know, then be a Christian. I can then be forgiven. It won't work. You can't do it. You can't do it from the heart because our hearts are broken until God gives us new ones by trusting in Christ Jesus. And so the answer for you is not to run to yourself and say, I'm going to pull myself up my, by my bootstraps. The answer is to run to Jesus, confessing your sins and receiving this unbelievable forgiveness. And you will become a forgiving person. And that, that good work that God starts on that moment you trust him, he will complete every day of your life and it will be fully completed on the day of Jesus Christ. And you can pray with confidence, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. It is a requirement, but God fulfills the requirement in us, through us. Now you might say at this point, okay, I know I'm a Christian. I, I, I know that I've received a new heart. I've seen so much evidence of it. And I really want to forgive. I, I really want to obey. I want to please God. But it is just so hard sometimes. And I, I get it. I really do. Some of the ways people have maybe sinned against you are so painful and damaging to your life that it's just unbearable. How, how do we forgive that? Others of you, this person sins against you and you forgive them. But then a week down the road, they do it again, and you have to forgive them again. And, you, and so you do, and then they, then they do it again. I mean, how do you keep on forgiving a person? Here's the answer that we need to understand. In our practical lives, even as Christians, this, this doesn't happen without our working with it, I guess I would say. Like uh, our, our will is involved in this, in this forgiveness. We have to actually do it. Here, here's what I, I want to show you. Forgiving others is a co-miracle, okay? Forgiving others is a co-miracle. I'm talking to you, Christian. God does a miracle in you to make you a forgiving person, and God continues doing that miracle but you have to let that, that miracle come out of you. He works it in you, you work it out of you. I mean, I'll just show you this. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Work out your own salvation, including that of forgiving others. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. <laughs> so there is a sense in which God is doing all the work here. God is doing this miracle of uh, causing us to will, that is, to, to want, the, to desire, he, uh, both to will and to work. He's giving us the power to, to actually accomplish these things. God is working that, but there's also a sense in which we are working out our own salvation as God is working it in us. And what that means is in your life, you're going to have some real dilemmas. Times when you say, this offense was just too bad. I don't want to let go of it. 
It's happened too many times. I can't let go of it again. But in those moments, you need to let God work this miracle in you, and you need to work it out of you. This is how God keeps us forgiving people. So that was Philippians 2, uh, that God works it out. uh, Or sorry, we work it out as God works it in us. But what does that practically look like? Uh, In the same book, uh, in Philippians chapter 4, Paul says this. He says, I entreat you, Odea, and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, help these women whose names are in the book of life. Okay, so here, here's the scene. You have Euodias and Syntyche, and these are two believers, right? Their names are written in the book of life, Paul says there in verse 3. But they can't get along. There is a war going on. No one remembers anymore where the war started. Maybe it was one of them took the last bulletin. And the other couldn't get their bulletin. Maybe one said a snide comment about the other in front of a group of people. And it hurt. And rather than going to the other and saying, hey, what you said there really hurt me. Um, I I don't think it was right, but but I want to forgive you. Rather than doing that, the other says, that jerk. I can't believe she would do that. And this bitterness began to grow. And bitterness turned to hatred, and hatred turns to malice. Malice means you're doing stuff about it. You're you're trying to get the other person back. And so it went back and forth. By the way, you say, Jeff, I think you're making a a mountain out of a, anyway, a molehill. Paul is in prison when he wrote the book of Philippians, either in Rome or in Ephesus, but he wasn't even in Philippi, and yet he knew about Euodia and Syntyche not getting along. I don't think I'm making a mountain out of anything. I, I think that this not agreeing, this unforgiveness, this you know, mudslinging back and forth was very real and very big. And so, this sin and unforgiveness was growing into a snowball that Paul recognizes is going to hurt everyone in its path. The ladies are going to be miserable. You're never happy when you're bitter. The church is going to be hurt by this. I mean, you can't function as a community of, uh, of love when you're bitter and unloving. And God's name and God's reputation are being marred as these two people whose names are written in the book of life can't get along. So what's Paul's answer to this dispute? The very next verse, verse 4 Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. I mean, this is Paul's prescription. He he said there, help these people to get along. And and here's how. Teach them to do these things. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. So instead of the fact that you're being a Christian doesn't align with the way you're living your life, let your reasonableness, the agreeableness of your life be known to everyone. Show it. Show that you're truly a changed person. The Lord is at hand. Those are beautiful words for the Christian. Scary words for the non-Christian. 
beautiful words for the Christian. God is at hand. He's the Lord, Jesus. He's within reach. He is here with me. He hasn't forsaken me in this, this struggle as this person sinned against me. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. Supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You can't forgive others when you don't have an inner peace. If, when, when you're in turmoil in here, you don't, you don't have this satisfaction in God. You don't, have, you're not, you don't really care that much about your forgiveness. You, all these, you will not be able to forgive other people. So again, this isn't an exposition of this passage, but I just want to give you some, uh, some principles we can draw on this. When, when you are hurt, rejoice in Jesus. Rejoice that you have been forgiven because of what Jesus has done. Rejoice that your debt was unpayable by you, yet he paid it. Rejoice that you know Jesus. Second, remember God is with you. The Lord is at hand. I mean, seriously, this, this is important. When, when someone sins against you, you are not alone in it. God is, is there with you, and he hates that sin too. <coughs> he is grieved about it as well. He feels your pain. This is, this is very real. That God is there. He, he, he does not just stand there aloof or stoic when someone is, is sinning against us. It, it is disgusting to him. Then pray for peace. Don't just let that, that bitterness grow. You need peace, the peace of God, to come in there and soothe your wounds. I, I don't know what it looks like to you to, to pray for peace, but following um, Philippians here, I don't know what, oh, there we go. Philippians, he says, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. I hear that, and I just hear, okay, I'm anxious, God. Like, tell him what's going on. I'm, I'm not only anxious, God, I'm hurt. I'm not only hurt, I'm angry. Tell it to God. Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you, Peter said. And then ask him for the peace that will help you to obey him by forgiving. Ask him for a, a satisfaction. A, a, again, peace is, is such a, a big word. This shalom, this inner harmony that says, yes, they did that to me, but I can forgive them. And what does Paul say will happen? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is a miracle that God is doing. You understand that? When you forgive, this is, this is not something you can do on your own. It is God working in you as you work out your salvation, as Philippians 2 said. It's you saying, okay, I, I don't want to forgive, but I know I need to, so I'm going to come to the Lord. 
I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to remember that he's near and I'm going to pray for peace. And God does this miracle. And as he gives you this miracle, you're able to go to that person and give them this gift of forgiveness. This is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I think some of us, again, may see God's commands as burdensome, including forgiving others. But you need to, 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 to recognize, we need to recognize that this is God's grace to us that we're commanded to forgive and that we're empowered to forgive. God is glorified as this miracle has worked out of our lives. And we get to be a part of that. <laughs> Silly flawed, broken me gets to be a part of showing the glory of God in my forgiveness of others. In addition, the destroying power of bitterness is released from our veins. I mean, you guys have probably heard the saying, uh, bitterness is a poison that you drink. Like, <laughs> no, you didn't poison them. It didn't hurt them. It hurts you when you're bitter. It hurts, it hurts you. I call it the bitterness of bitterness, by the way. Bitterness is bitter. It, it, you, there's nothing good about clinging on to it, and that's what this does. It releases this from our veins. And it means that our friendships, our families, our church, all these relationships we have, have the greatest possible chance of, of flourishing, of, of being upbuilding relationships. I, by the way, I do want to say not every relationship that has been separated in your life is your fault. It may be, maybe not. I have no idea. But if you have sought to forgive them, by the way, I say sought to forgive them because they must confess that they've actually sinned in order for you to give them the gift of forgiveness. But I would say we, we pursue that. We pursue forgiving others But as we pursue the, the, this, this forgiving of them, God is doing a miracle. He's working it in us. He's working it through us. Therefore, when we pray and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, we can do it with confidence. So I do again ask Christian are you trying to live unforgiving? It's not going to work. I can tell you God disciplines the one he loves. And so if you're saying, I'm going to walk in unforgiveness rather than this freedom, God's going to work it in you and it's going to be painful. If you're truly a Christian, he will bring you to forgiving others from the heart. And so we pursue it as we find our joy in Jesus and recognize how he's forgiven us. Let's pray. Father God, I do just pray that this teaching of Jesus and this teaching from your word would just take hold in our lives. This is one of those sins that cling so closely, like uh, Hebrews 12 says, and, and drags us down in this race. It holds us back. 
So God, let us take hold of the beauty of your forgiveness of us so that we can forgive others. God, I pray that we would have a peace that surpasses all understanding so that we can do what the world doesn't understand. And that is graciously forgive people who have hurt us so badly. And God, we want to do this so that the world may know you, that they may see your salvation, and that they may give you glory. God, we repent even now of the ways we may have been walking in unforgiveness, allowing bitterness to fester in our hearts, the ways we might have tried to even subtly get other people back, to repay evil for evil. God, would you help us to go so far as to obey Jesus' teaching to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us. You've made us this type of person. You've already done that initial miracle. So we pray that you would continue. Help us to work it out as you work it in us. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.